Welcome to Bad Science, the show that breaks down the science of a movie with a comedian and a scientist. Today, we're discussing 2013's side effects, so I'll ask about black box warnings, antidepressants, and how to wine and dine a psychiatrist. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Bad Science Did the movie get it right? Bad Science Or will we have to fight? Hi everyone, I'm your host Ethan Edinburgh, and today I've got two wonderful guests joining me. First up, she's the recipient of the National Harvard Book Award for Outstanding Achievement in Academics and the Arts. She's a journalist, wilderness emergency responder, scuba diver, and she was kind enough to discuss the movie Everest back in October on my mother's favorite podcast, Bad Science. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Supna Parikh. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. Absolutely, thanks for coming back. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing great. Obviously, a little bit more down than usual because I just watched side effects, but <laughs> I'm feeling good. Yes, me too. I'm still here in New York City. And are you feeling optimistic about the vaccine efforts, our, our turnaround on COVID-19? Yeah, I, I am feeling optimistic. We have about 30% of the population here in New York vaccinated. And I can see, you know, people starting to feel like they can be out and about doing things. It's a little early to just say, you know, all clear, but I'm I'm sort of feeling optimistic. Okay, great. And speaking of this movie, are you on any drugs right now as we're talking? I'm on caffeine currently. <laughs> I am actually drinking herbal tea at the moment. And no, I'm not. But I, I'm, I know we're going to talk about all these drugs. Oh, yeah. Fun drugs today on the program. Yeah. <laughs> Only fun. There's nothing bad <laughs> about fun. them. The movie was just a barrel of laughs. Oh, yeah. It was intense. <laughs> well, helping us talk about it. Our second guest, I mean, what can I say? I've known him since I was about three feet tall. He's a musician and a breathwork teacher. I normally call him J-Lo, but I understand that that's a bad idea for the podcast. It could be distracting, but he'll always be my J-Lo, and I'm thrilled to have him on the show. It's Jonathan Lorenzo. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, Jonathan. How are you? I'm really good. I'm so stoked to be doing this with you. Uh, like you said, we've known each other for so long, and to be able to create something with you right now is really cool. We're creating together, dude, as we speak <laughs> in real time, live. Yes. Live and recorded and edited and then put out later, I guess. <laughs> edited heavily and then put out, yes. <laughs> yes, edited heavily. Bunch of music is going to be in here, effects. <laughs> so listen, you're a breathwork teacher. I've done one of your breathwork classes. It was like nothing else that I've ever experienced uh, doing anything. And I just assume that part of the reason you do it is to help people with things like depression or should people just take any pills that they can get their hands on? <laughs> I think we should be, as a whole, as a society, looking for alternative methods to promote uh, physical and mental health. And so as little pills as you can take, <laughs> the better, you know. Uh, so the breath is definitely a way that you can deal with a lot of those things that, you know, people are taking pills to deal with. And what are you achieving? Because I don't even know what to call it exactly. Like the emotion that I felt towards the end or climax, I would say, of your class was a really strange one. Can you describe that for me? Yeah, every, every experience is different. Uh, it differs from person to person, and even within the same person, it differs from experience to experience. But the breath work opens us up not only physically, but emotionally. So there's a sense of connectedness. Uh, there's a sense of relief. There's a sense of openness, of clarity. And the culmination of all these, these sensations and these states uh, of awareness kind of culminate into that feeling that you had. 
Yeah, it was powerful. Sapna, have you ever experienced a, a breathwork class? Do you know what I'm talking about? Or do we sound like two weird monks that are on like some, <laughs> I don't know, uh, organization that you are afraid of? <laughs> no, I love it. I I don't know if I've done the exact type of breathwork that you're talking about. I really want to try what you do. I've started meditating in 2011. Mm. Um, and so I've done, I think through that, some different types of breathwork that different teachers have brought into different classes. And then, you know, there's, I don't know, it's always just an amazing natural way of calming yourself like you're talking about. So I would love to try what you do. I would love to take you through an experience. It, that would be super cool. Yes. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So people can just visit uh, jlobreathwork.com, I assume. <laughs> just just jlo.com. That'll just take you right to my <laughs> site. jlo.fun. <laughs> um, okay, listen, I want to know what you think about this. The first thing, Supna, that I was thinking about when watching this movie was if anybody's going to profit off of what's happening right now, the COVID-19 vaccine, it's probably big pharma, right? I mean, like, are they living it up right now, spring break and Cancun style? Yeah, there is so much money to be made with these vaccines. And they were paid, in many cases, up front. The whole way the vaccines are rolled out was a little bit different than um, how things are normally done. They were paid up front. In many cases, they were doing the research while manufacturing and like the government needed to pay. Countries around the world are paying. But it was also, there's kind of a, a, a side effect that was actually positive from that when that was competition, that drive to be the first to get a productive, effective vaccine out knowing that there's money to be i mean it's hopefully not just for the money and you know for the sake of solving this problem but there was a lot of money to be made and there was this vaccine was made really quickly mm -hmm. so that's sort of the the benefit that came that came from that wow well um i'm sure there's going to be documentaries about this whole time period for years and years to come so stay tuned for who's screwing us the most financially <laughs> in the coming years on hbo um okay I have to mention one thing about the movie. I mean, obviously, listen, I have tons of questions and concerns about antidepressants, etc. And, and really just the whole system, which I want to get into. But we have to talk about one moment in particular. So here's a side effects spoiler here. Okay, but I think it must be said, I this is my first time watching the movie. And the moment that she stabs uh, Channing Tatum, I audibly got up and said, I sat up and to no one, I said, oh no. <laughs> and my girlfriend yelled from the kitchen if I was okay. So did that shock you guys as much as it shocked me? That, that was an extremely effective scene, I thought. Yeah, I didn't see it coming. <laughs> I think it was just so casual how she stabbed him that I was, I was kind of like, it, what's happening right now? Is this going to be a full murder or like a, like a love poke? But, uh, <laughs> but he died, he died. A confused stabbing. <laughs> yeah. Like I would have stabbed somebody. I mean, let's not get into this, but uh, I could have, she could have used a little more oomph in the stabbing. <laughs> yeah. It was very sort of casual. It was very casual. I, I, I knew, you know, in the opening scene, they had the, the camera shot into the bloody floor scene. So I guess we should mm -hmm. have maybe expected it. But I did not see that coming at that moment because it was so casual. And then I did. I found myself um, immediately 
like trying to see if I could find there's there's a lot of side effects um, that are known with drugs like Ambien, for example, with mm. sleep. Um, there's a black box warning there with sleep walking, sleep eating, sleep driving, um, reports of having <sighs> sex that people don't remember. Oh and so God. they put a black box warning for Ambien in 2019. But like, there's there's no black box warning for um from you know homicide homicidal tendencies there's suicidal mm. tendencies on mm-hmm. antidepressants but yeah i i was shocked caught me off guard yeah actually that's a perfect transition cuz that was another huge question i had like i googled antidepressants black box warning and literally the first thing that comes up is that in 2004 the fda issued a black box warning on antidepressants indicating that they were associated with an increased risk of suicidal thinking feeling and behavior in young people now, is that still on there? And isn't that like brazenly hypocritical? Yeah, it's it is still on there. And yeah, that happened in 2004. It was based on a meta analysis. This was a large study of a large number of studies, but they found the risk was it doubled, but it was small. So it was from 2% to 4%. But um, yeah, it's still on there. And I know it's really kind of ca- it's caused controversy since that time because it's kind of counterintuitive. Like, why are you going to give this drug that causes, potentially causes this? But it's tricky because the long-term risk of depression, there's, you know, a 15% lifelong risk of untreated severe depression also. So it's like this trade-off, wow. um, but they had to put the black box on there. And that doesn't mean that it's going to happen. It's right. it's sort of meant to be a warning and a on the black box label, it also says closely monitor these patients and watch for these behaviors. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's tricky, right? Like you're putting it on a, on an antidepressant, a warning for possible suicide. It's- How quickly can those uh, side effects kind of perpetuate and happen? I'm trying to remember. I think there was something like several months, um, the onset, but I don't. I don't know that there's an endpoint even on the mm-hmm. the full prescribing information. I don't. I don't know that there's an endpoint for when you're supposed to monitor. I think you're supposed to kind of keep it in the back of your head, mm-hmm. especially for young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopping back for a second, if I may, a uh, little cute backflip, if I will, <laughs> um, and I will. The sleepwalking you mentioned, I was very curious about this. So that's a it's a strong, uh, you know, motif in the movie. She sleepwalks several times, I guess. Again, spoiler, but whatever. It's all you know, fake. She's not actually sleepwalking. But you're saying that certain medications can make people sleepwalk and do different activities when they sleepwalk. Do you know what like chemically is changing that would make this happen? I've never sleepwalked before, and I just I don't know. I can't imagine taking something that would cause that. I don't know the the chemical change that's happening. Like the you know the technical word for it is parasomnia, which is just there was actually a study in the movie where he finds it later. Where I was wondering why he didn't look that up before. That's just mm. a, was, um, <laughs> but it's just a general term for unusual behavior while you're sleeping. And the big the most common one that's known to have that is is are the sleep medications like Ambien and. You know, they don't mention things like sleep murder in there, but there's mm. the other, the actual label says sleep walking, sleep driving. I mean, sleep driving sounds like sleep murder. <laughs> That's not a big leap. Um, okay, well, speaking of these drugs, I wanted to talk about the commercials as well. The movie's called Side Effects. Immediately, that's what I was thinking about. I mean, I can't help it. These are like the funniest commercials that are on television and have been for many years. They have these horrible lists of really long side effects. So I guess my question to you is like, why are they all like that? And also, why doesn't this deter people from wanting to take these drugs? Yeah, that's an 
It's inter- there's a long history with this. So it's called direct to consumer marketing. And we're actually only one of two countries that even allows the direct advertising of drugs. What's the other country? Sorry. Do you want to guess? Do you want, I was going to say, no, you want to guess? Oh, mm, Russia. Germany. Nope. Ooh. Mm. North Korea. <laughs> you would think it's just, it's us, it's the United States, and it's New Zealand. Wow. Yeah. Didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming either. I was like, that's so rant. But the um, classic side effects stab, uh, sleepwalk stab. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> didn't see it coming. We didn't always have drug ads in this direct to consumer marketing. It really picked up in the mid 90s in 1997. The first drug ad was in the mid 80s, and that forced the FDA to put these rules that were so strict. Um, Initially, drug companies didn't really do it. And then there was also a shift in how doctors and patients relate. They used to just market to doctors because they're the ones mm. prescribing. Like, who cares what patients want? But that shifted as patients became more empowered, you know, part of that, like, here's the drug I want and I want to be a part of this conversation. So mm. in the mid 90s, the, um, the FDA lifted some of the restrictions. They still maintain the requirement where you have to list the side effects and contraindications. So Contraindications means like you shouldn't take this if you have oh. if you have liver problems, don't take mm. this. But it it has to list all of those possible side effects. So that's still on there, and that's why it sounds the way that it, they have to balance it. Yeah, the other part of that that affects me, I gotta say, is the budgets because you know you'll be watching, let's say, the Miami Heat in the playoffs, <laughs> and a commercial will come on for like you know the new Ford. And I'm thinking like, okay, this normal budget commercial. And then a pharmaceutical commercial, a medication will come on. And it just looks like a Pixar movie for a second or something. It looks like it's really expensive. And buying the ad time is expensive. So it also would deter me as far as like, why are these people spending a bajillion dollars to tell me to take antifloxidrine? Yeah, they spend a lot of time because they spend a lot of time and money because it works. You know, it's like brand recognition. You see, I think it was... um the Dr. Siebert character who said in there, sometimes the newest thing gives them confidence. Right. You know, mm. they see the ads on TV and they believe and and it's true. She her character, the Emily character, came in and was like, I heard about that drug Oblixa, which is not a real drug, by the way. Um mm. Damn. all the rest were real. That was a question. There was two <laughs> But I think it works. Wow. I mean, do you think that it should be illegal in here and New Zealand? There's a there's a huge debate that's been ongoing since you know the late 90s but i think um the first amendment allows like kind of what whatever we think um i don't know that they're going to go away anytime soon because of that mm. um the first amendment's kind of a free for all free free speech yeah which but i do i think there's concerns i remember being a med student and we were in brazil in the amazon in the remote region and there is one village that had a satellite dish and a tv and all of those people asked us for lipitor wow the cholesterol drug wow when like that's the least of their concerns but they'd seen the ads in the middle of literally the jungle man that reminds me of when i was in the amazon for my med school but i don't (laughs) want to get into my own personal journey all right we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back the break is over here we go back to the show about science you mentioned in the email subna that while you were in med school you also were witnessing some of the whining and dining of doctors that we saw in this movie. Is that true? Yeah, so I'm like kind of dating myself, but when I was in med school, they still um, they still are allowed 
to wine and dine a little bit like we saw in the movie. It's just they've limited significantly since about 2002. That was, but before that, they were doing things like giving out World Series tickets that, like, they talked about, and these mm-hmm. like extravagant um, trips and concert tickets and all kinds of stuff. They limit. They started limiting it in 2002. The government issued regulations, not a law, and then the pharmaceutical industry, like a trade group, the Pharma Code issued kind of guidelines none of it's law none of it is none of it is by law of course so so clearly what you're saying is like they can just do whatever they want still yeah they t- they have to give them credit backed off because they're subject to investigation and then there are laws against kickbacks hmm. and things like that like if you give me this i'll slip you you know give you money or whatever um so there are laws against that so it's gotten better in the last you know whatever 15 or so years but so what kind of uh techniques are these uh, people trying to use with doctors now to push their medication what's the new world series ticket yeah (laughs) now it's a little mellowed out like they have to it's still lunches um Mm. they're Mm. allowed to give gifts they help the patient (laughs) wait oh i didn't hear what you said um (laughs) he's making a bad joke don't worry about it salad joke (laughs) i think um but back in the day you would see these drug reps you know, come in. I've seen doctors marry the drug reps like they were just there all the time. There was just, um, whoa, yeah, what a weird way to fall in love. It was a lot different. <laughs> you know, you're going to be good, though, I guess you're set. You got financial security helping each other out. Um, you mentioned the pharma code. I wrote down this note while watching the movie in all caps. The only thing I wrote in all caps, because <laughs> I was just like, what is the pharma code? This I don't know about. The pharmacode was what the um, the industry, a, an industry trade group, a pharmaceutical industry trade group established in 2002, and it's called the Pharmacode for Healthcare Professionals. And it's basically this document that is supposed to limit how drug reps interact with doctors. So it's kind of what we were talking about, less of like it only allowed to give gifts if they help the patient. Um, You're allowed to give lunches and then talk about the medication. So it sort of toned all that down. Got you. Okay, that's that's interesting. So it's sort of like, yeah, like bylaws that big pharma should live by, but vague enough so that they can kind of get away with whatever they want. Right. And it's not law. And it's definitely not law. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) Definitely not law. (laughs) Not law. And they're still allowed to give out pens or what doesn't doesn't she give him a pen or something? Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Gave him a pen. They're clearly they're yeah. making pens now. So are, are pens still cool? Pens are still, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Tender greens and pens. <laughs> um, okay. I wanted to talk about beta blockers and they list a few types of antidepressants, I believe. There's uh SSRIs is another one that there's a quote somebody says it like helps your brain from telling you you're sad which sounds like kind of alarming to me almost but yeah i mean are these still widely acceptable slash successful products yes both of them definitely there's that song in that show um that crazy ex-girlfriend show that i never really got into but my friend sent me the it's so not antidepressants are so not a big deal or something like that they're so common so those are the ssris um, incredibly common. Those are the drugs you hear about, the Paxil, the Zoloft, um, all of those. And then there's, you asked about beta blockers. Um, mm-hmm. Those are a little bit different. So those work on beta receptors to slow down the heart rate. So that's why he was, he made it really seem really dramatic. Like it makes you, it makes it easier to be who you are, but right. um, it really like slows your heart rate. So if you're nervous 
if you're um, performing mm. and those are still used. They don't actually treat the anxiety, but they do um, help with that. And I was talking to my friend last night who's a practicing psychiatrist now and he was saying they're using more of those. They are using that more now to um, try to avoid some of the other drugs. But yeah, the SSRIs are really common. And there was another one like SNRI or SSD something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have an SSD hard drive. Um, <laughs> okay, so not that. <laughs> yeah, that was during the tech part. I the S <laughs> the SNRIs and the SSRIs are really similar. They stand for selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and then selective um, norepinephrine reuptake inhib inhibitors. That's the mm. SNRI, and they basically both just work on stopping your brain cells and neurons from taking up the serotonin and the norepinephrine. So that means there's more of it floating around in your brain. Mm. And would you, because for me, I would see these things if I had a psychiatrist or the like tell me, you know, I'm prescribing you this or I recommend you take this. I would see that as like a last resort because I'm a little bit scared uh, and paranoid from watching this movie and also all those commercials and stuff. And I would try pretty much everything before that. Do you agree with that? Are you are you concur? Like, should people try first? Like, okay, you got to be, you know, exercising, you got to be sleeping right. You said you've been doing meditation for a long time. So yeah, are these pharmaceutical medications like, should they be treated as, okay, nothing else worked. So let's try this. I agree with that kind of mentality in most cases. I think, you know, the exceptions would be if you're, if it's really severe, if it's really impacting your day to day, even if it's for a short time that you're on it, where maybe you would jump to a medication sooner. But I, I sort of am along the same mindset as, you know, trying things like therapy, trying things like what Jonathan does, mm -hmm. and all of that. And exercise, like you mentioned, all that actually boosts serotonin levels and probably this breath work that Jonathan does, does, you know, I, so I'm an advocate for all of that first, only because of so, like a lot of these side, side effects that they talk about that do exist, but I, I don't want to say that they're bad to take these drugs. They also help mm. a lot of people and there's yeah. so many people taking them. So I don't want to <laughs> yeah. imply that at all. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think we're uh, overprescribed as a nation and how do we stack up uh, against other nations? I think we, you know, we are a country that kind of, that jumps to medication quick um, and when it's accessible for us. You know, not, some countries mm -hmm. don't even have access to some of these drugs. I can't really compare how we stand up to other countries, but I, I do sort of think we, um, I do think we're a bit over medicated because it's in some ways easier than to, right. I don't think so, but some people might think than to do, you know, some of the work that you, that you do, Jonathan, mm -hmm. or it's easier to pop a pill. Um, I would bet good money that America's got to be high on that list. I feel like America loves drugs. Yeah. Too. And, yeah and even the, just the 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 televised ads kind of mm -hmm. feed into this culture of it and the amount of people that i know that are casually on them and and like you said i'm sure it helps a lot of people but it's shocking to me how many people are taking these these drugs hey speaking of shocking there's a shock treatment scene in this movie they're treating depression mm. with electric shock yes how did you feel about that Zabna? was that <laughs> i mean maybe we can just not take pills and uh put a fork in the outlet <laughs> Um, it might work. Um, okay, I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you how I feel. Let us know. It's actually, it is a real thing and they still do it. I, I, wow. I remember seeing it for the first time when I was in med school and I only saw it once and they, um, 
And the woman, I remember, had some memory loss. And they allude to that in the movie, too, where they were, he's sort of threatening her with this. We're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to do this so you forget everything that happened. But it's in the real life, it's usually short term um, that that lasts. But I remember, like, the woman couldn't remember her family. Oh, my God. And everyone was kind of waiting for it. To, I was only on the rotation for a short time, but the thought was that it would come back. Um, but it's called electroconvulsive therapy. They still use it for severe depression. Um, the the great friend who I was talking to last night, who I love, he was telling me they, they still use it. They still have someone in their office that does it a couple times a week. So it's not, it's definitely a last resort when nothing else is really working, but it's, it's not, they actually did their research for this movie. They do. They do still use it. What a, a traumatic rotation, a short rotation you had. <laughs> Yeah. I was also curious about the, I, I didn't really quite understand. The lady had a tourniquet around uh, one of her ankles, I believe. And I didn't really understand the the meaning or the reason behind that. Oh, that was you, a I sock. You remember that. She was just wearing socks. <laughs> oh, her socks were really tight. I think they said something like, um, because you do give anesthesia to the person and you're inducing a, a seizure. Hmm. I, I heard them say they wanted to see if the foot would move so that they could make sure she was actually seizing. I don't know that that's hmm. actually how they do it. Do they put okay. tourniquet around the foot in order to see? I don't know if that's really how they do it. Um, bad science. Yeah, that might, be, <laughs> that might be bad science. We'll try that out. Um, okay, I wanted to also mention Adderall. Because I feel like that's got to be one of the most popular drugs out there that, you know, is prescription based. Do you have experience there? I feel like everyone when I was in college, not everyone, but I feel like there was plenty of people around me that were doing Adderall and I've still never tried it because, again, I'm just freaked out, I think. But is that like an epidemic? I know there's been several now documentaries about the, you know, kind of Adderall takeover. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely common. I mean, so many people it's a you know it's an amphetamine it has addiction potential um but it works it helps people focus and so it's so common um i was talking to my friend last night and i said does anyone ever ask you like would that really happen because i could totally see that happening in the movie he asked his colleague to hook him up with some right and yeah i could i that I could definitely see that happening. It's that common, wow. but that's the catch with it. It is. Um, there's withdrawal symptoms with it. Um, there's addiction potential. So it's not just like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I was pretty shocked at that moment. Actually, you're, you're mentioning in the movie because all of a sudden, you, you know, in my eyes, he went from yeah, like professional super psychiatrist to college kid trying to get a fix. Yeah, yeah, I could see that happening. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a PEV, right? At the end of the day performance enhancing drug and any advantage that someone can get in any sort of field uh humans are going to exploit that definitely that's what we do humans number one (laughs) that's what we do all right we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back the break is over here we go back to the show about science um okay there was a uh one more moment i really wanted to hit on because i i feel like they went into it really like vaguely and then walked away from it pretty pretty fast where they were talking about the difference i think molecularly between tears of joy and tears of sadness you know what i'm Mm. referring to here yeah i remember this i was like in her um it's towards the end right is in her Mm -hmm. monologue maybe when she Mm -hmm. was yeah she was saying it as if it was scientific fact and how interesting that is or like why that is but then they kind of just started talking about something else i can't remember but i was like wait wait a minute are there actual like 
differences between when I cry because something's so funny and when I cry because something's so terrible? I haven't been able to find anything based on that actually proves that to be true. There are different kinds of tears though. So for example, there's gland, my bobian glands on the bot, you know, on your lids that produce some more oily tear substance that keeps our eyes more lubricated during the day versus like mm-hmm. when you cry, it's just, you know, tears flowing out. So there is truth to the different um, molecular base of tears, but I don't know that I don't know that it changes with rage or happiness. Okay, but wait, this is interesting, though. So you're saying that there is two different kinds of tears. One is more oily for our eyes. And we like, I guess, barely notice that they're coming down. And those are not the tears that come out when I'm like crying, the tears on my face. I would say it's like a mix. So when you're Ooh. crying, it's likely a mix. The um, Uncontrolled. Where there's just more tear flow. You know what I mean? Just tear flow flowing out. And then the the oilier tears are sort of mixed in there during the day where you don't really think about it. But when you blink, you're actually spreading that mm. over your eyes. And why the hell do we emit tears like that? Isn't that weird and freaky? And do animals do that too? Or are we just... Or do we just do that? Do you mean with emotion? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I, don't, I don't know that there's a great scientific explanation for why why we cry when for certain emotions. Yeah, that just hit me as you were talking. Like, that's such a weird thing that we do. I know, it is. <laughs> I mean... Like, do, I'd have, do dogs, does this happen to dogs? Or does this happen to, Yeah. you know monkeys i don't i don't know we all evolve from the same stuff like why don't other i mean other animals have emotions they they just don't freak out over the top and cry about it they're tougher than us i know i need we need to google um do primates cry <laughs> do, do monkeys mm. cry i feel like maybe i have seen that i don't know a picture of a chimpanzee crying i, I feel like that's out there yeah. i did hear and this is totally not backed by science, but there's a possibility <laughs> that the outward um, showing of tears is actually a, a way to get other people to sympathize with us. Oh, you know, people see us crying and they know that something's wrong. Whoa. So it's not even about us. You're saying if we were always alone, it wouldn't happen? If we evolved in a vacuum, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, kind of like yawning too, right? Like, why do you, why, do, why does someone yawning make you want to yawn? Instantly. Yeah, there's some sort of brain, isn't there a brain, there's a brain pathway or something that triggers that. I, I don't know that there's a function, but there might have a function similar to what you're talking about. Hmm. Um, like a tribal sort of sense. Right. Um, yeah, like, hey, listen, this party's boring. Don't you also want to leave? Yawn, yawn. <laughs> <laughs> Without saying anything. Evolution. Um, okay, what about sodium amytal that came up in this film? Do you know about mm. that? Should I go out to my local grocery store and try to scoop that up? <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. There's so many drugs in this movie. It's just like... <laughs> drug heavy. Drug movie. It's really drug heavy. Um... This one's interesting, though. This one's known as truth serum. And mm, I tried to dig into this a little bit. I found, um, so the drug is real that they, they were talking about. They call it sodium amytal. It's also referred to amo, as amobarbital. It's barbiturate. Um, mm. And it does do what he kind of talked about. It lowers someone's inhibitions. It's a bit of a hypnotic agent. I found, I don't know if we are still using it. I found one report that a judge allowed for that Colorado shooter in 2012 to be, they allowed for him to be questioned 
with some sort of medication like this, but it's not clear if they actually ended up interrogating him that way or not. Hmm. And then there was a Supreme Court case several decades earlier where they said it's considered unconstitutional, unconstitutional coercion if you admit something after ingesting a truth serum. So that to me means like, why would you bother doing it? So I don't know if they're actually, there are some reports that they're still using it for interrogation purposes, but... Definitely not the way he used it. I know. Yeah. Well, and the once again, another classic side effects fake out where he wasn't actually using it. <laughs> it was uh, sugar water or whatever, right? Yeah. Sal- saline solution. Yeah. <laughs> saline. <laughs> yeah. Another classic it's fake out. Um, I feel like there's got to be, though, shadow government truth serum like perfected already. I don't know. I just assume that that's out there. Me too. And that would be so fun if they did just sell it like at the grocery stores and we could pick some up and come home with our friends and be like, let's learn the super (laughs) truth about each other. I'm going to ask a bunch of weird questions to you. And record it. Yeah, and record. We're going to live stream it. (laughs) It sounds dangerous. (laughs) Um, Okay, great. Well, listen, I have so much. I mean, I, I was looking up some side effects very specifically, and I was just overwhelmed at the amount of side effects out there. And wanted to make some sort of just warning even on this show that like if you are thinking about getting one of these or if you're on one now to just try to do your research I guess and I mean do you recommend something that people get like second opinions when it comes to this stuff before they you know uh, agree to start taking a certain type of new antidepressant you know it can't hurt it's kind of what we talked about before and trying other things but I I just wanted to point out that the, you know, a lot of this was made up. <laughs> the movie, it, they, a lot of it was true, and then, but she it was so exaggerated. I really thought the. I think they should rename this movie and call it "Malingering," <laughs> because "Malingering" is the term of where you make you make up make up the stuff. You make up symptoms to get something right. for gain, mm. and there's that's actually what was happening in this movie. So it really kind of sent the wrong message about these drugs. I cannot believe this movie was made that they weren't sued for some, you know, by these pharmaceutical companies. So yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I think I think there, these side effects are real, but they were really exaggerated, you know, here. Yeah, that's a great warning in and of itself. People don't malinger. Stop. If you're doing that, <laughs> definitely don't do that. I know. That's a fun word. I really like that word. I'm going to try and use malinger as many times as I can by the end of this podcast. Certainly don't malinger, as I said before, and and certainly don't uh, commit insider trading. That's obviously a fool's errand as well. Yeah, I, didn't, I actually didn't see that coming either. Did you guys see that coming? No. Classic side effects twist. Had no idea it was coming. I yeah. didn't I didn't see the, the relationship coming. I knew she, she was faking oh. it like halfway through, but then... When she started making out with, with uh, Cybert, uh, that threw me off. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Classic side effects twist. I was going to say, another side effects <laughs> twist. Did not see it. Co- How many twists are in this movie? I've, we should have counted this out. En- enough. It's like six twists. Gosh darn it. <laughs> this movie's got me all twisted up. Oh, man. This movie's got me malingering over all these twists. <laughs> I don't, that one, not sure if that one works. Um, okay, well, listen, Jonathan, uh, everybody is going to want to keep up with you and breathe with you. How can people follow you, find you, etc.? Yeah, right now, I'm operating pretty much just on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Jolo. It's J-O underscore L and three O's. And yeah, I'm just, I'm really talking to people through there mostly. 
if you want to reach out through there or you can email as well, you can reach out and find my email through my Instagram as well. Well, awesome. As I said before, an absolute joy to speak with you. Wish we could have watched this together uh, so that we could have both <laughs> yeah. yelled at all the classic side effects twists. Um, <laughs> Sapna Parikh, same question to you. Where can people find you? What's been up? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Sapna underscore Parikh, which is S-A-P-N-A underscore P-A-R-I-K-H. Um, that's me on Instagram too. I just made my Instagram profile private recently, so I don't, I don't know. I might change that. Okay. People um, got to work to get in there. But you can tell, yeah, you, I know. <laughs> that's what I feel like, yep. right? It's like a making people work, which is not the point. <laughs> um, and then you can also find me my... Um, I have another website, explorenza.com. I'm going to put another post. I'm going to put a post up there soon just with some tips for flying during a pandemic. There's well, a couple I'm, things I'm, yeah, oh, no one's talking I'm about. I'm be flying soon, as I'm sure many people will. So that sounds super uh, helpful. E explorenza. Yeah, dot com. And not recommending that you fly. But if you do, mm -hmm. then there's a couple tips. So where are you going? Are you going anywhere? I good? haven't been okay. home, obviously, in like over a year. I'm from South Florida, as is Jonathan. I'm oh. hopefully going to be vaccinated on April 15th when California opens it up, LA opens it up. But I was thinking of going back home, yeah, in sometime, you know, in, in June or July. But you're saying that I shouldn't or that I should drive, take a boat? <laughs> you should take a boat. Um, go through the Panama Canal. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Um, you could, yeah, if you do fly, I know it's longer for you. I actually went to South. That was the only flight I've taken so far. And for me, it's quicker from New York, obviously. Right. But yeah, I guess my advice would be if you could avoid a meal time. I don't know if you can do that. The length of oh, I can. The thing nobody talks about is eating when people are on the flight and they're eating. Mm -hmm. All the rules sort of go out the window. Mm. Um, I did fly recently uh, back to South Florida, and they only do snacks now. They don't do yeah. any uh, full meal service. Well, people are still taking their masks off and chomping. For sure, I know. yeah. The people around me brought tuna fish sandwiches <laughs> from home. I know. And then, yeah, I just, I mean, the other thing is just wear a mask the entire time if you can. Got so. you. Got you. So whether you're vaxxed or not. But that's great that you're going home. Well, uh, thank you for that info. I will do so. I'm going to eat so much. I'm going to eat like an all-you-can-eat buffet. And I'm going to go Before back for go. thirds and fourths <laughs> and then get on the plane. No, honestly, the best thing to do, I find, is sleep. So... I try to, if I can, just sleep the entire way. That is great if you can. I am not one of those people. I love, you can just forget everything, whatever's going on around you. I'm, awesome. I can't say I'm good at it, but I do aim for it. Like I try to get a little bit of bad sleep. I'll try to exercise a lot and then get on a plane just exhausted as all hell. And I guess this time, wrap myself in, you know, tin foil and uh, styrofoam and cardboard and all sorts of layers and then go to sleep. <laughs> and take some drugs. <laughs> Don't take some drugs. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. No, yeah, just take some, take some Oblixa. <laughs> you'll be fine. Yeah, take, take some, some Oblixa. <laughs> take some Oblixa. Well, then I would get up and stab people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you both for being on the show and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you. All right. Nice meeting you. Bye-bye. Bad Science is a Seeker podcast produced by Emily Feld and me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger, and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Kate. And the executive proscription producer is Brett Kushner. 
Oh, follow us on Instagram at BadSciencePod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at BadScienceAtSeeker.com. That's BadScienceAtSeeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver. But it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>